This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey loves, welcome to this new episode of Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast. What a gift it is to be with all of you today, always. Um, I wasn't initially going to do an episode today. Um, but honestly, my guides, uh, sort of put it in my head that it might be nice because the energies right now are so unbelievably intense and are going to continue to be. (laughs) The astrology for this coming week is really quite something, um, Pluto has gone direct. Mercury is now in Scorpio. Saturn's moving into Libra. Venus is moving into Scorpio. Um, there's a lot of potential. It, many of us really feel like we're in kind of an underworld right now, kind of in the dark, in a space of um, lack of clarity. And it can be coming up for us in any number of any number of ways, any number of ways, um, personally, professionally, um, completely. I know for myself that, um, this, these transits and, you know, just where the astrology happens to be for me personally, you know, uh, there's so much of, uh, my old, uh, PTSD, uh, triggers coming up so that I can, uh, begin to foster, like they're ready to be, um, worked with, acknowledged and looked at. And it's, it's no joke (laughs) in the midst of doing a workshop, but truth be told, there's never been a time when I've done any workshop or any course where I have not felt, uh, utterly in, in, in the pitch of the void. So just so you know that, um, so yeah, but when we look at where we are on the wheel of the year, when we look at this idea, you know, we talked about this in monthly medicine, these four cycles that we can understand, you know, the, the energy of this whole cycle is ruled by judgment. So whether you're experiencing the turn toward the depth of fall and autumn, and your attention is being turned to the idea of um, you know, of what is dying, what is being released along the way, no matter what sign we're in, um, justice is going to travel with you because it's here to help us recognize what is present so that we can change it for good. So this, these transits and this time on the wheel, isn't just because like life stinks. Um, there's some very, very, very intense, opportunities, very powerful opportunities to really evolve and more than evolve, actually midwife ourselves into releasing what's ready to be released and rebirthing into what's ready to take up space in our lives. So this work is exactly the same in the Southern Hemisphere, moving into spring. Like there is absolutely, you know, that that's it, (laughs) you know, the blooming and the blossoming, it's, it's all 
it's all in the same hand, all in the same experience. But um, for those of you who are particularly sensitive to this time of year, my heart is with you. I'm with you. Definitely feeling it too. Um, and as I said, I wasn't um, intending on doing a podcast episode today, um, but I just thought it would be really lovely to explore a card that I feel can provide a lot of nourishment in a time like this, which is death, the death card. Um, maybe an odd choice <laughs> for the levity of this, but I, I do think that it's really useful. Um, first is, and you know, you may be feeling that I'm kind of jumping the gun in terms of the Zodiac season, but, um, death is ruled by Scorpio. We're going to be exploring another Scorpionic card in two weeks on this podcast as well, all coming before Scorpio, which is interesting the timing of that, but it's what spirit wants. So I'm saying yes to it. The death card is, um, so much a, a mirror and a helper to consider the energies that we're in right now, because there's something in us that many of us, even if we appreciate, we love, we understand, we embrace the death card, we really love it, we think it's great. There's something in the primal programming that doesn't like it. And that's because we are wired to want to get as far away as we can from the idea of death and dying and pain and grief and release. And we don't want to think about the idea that this life is really a spiral and we really have absolutely no way of knowing what's coming around the corner at all. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's really, I wish it was different, but it's not. And even the, the finest of intuitives um, don't know everything and aren't supposed to. This isn't a, a drag on anybody or myself. This is um, naming what's true. This is reminding all of us that we're really all coming from the same place. We are all human beings that are tender, that are loving, that want the best life that we possibly can for ourselves, for our families, for those that we love, we want to experience and, you know, peace. Like there are many shared desires of, of human beings. And, um, we know that with death comes an inevitable part of what we try to avoid in this life, which is the mystery, the losses, the things that hurt the experiences in which we are called to step aside and allow something, something within our inner workings, our external lives, our behaviors, our patterns, our, um, you know, our existence to crumble and to be released, sometimes very painfully and other times joyfully, just like death. Death can be joyful, death can be painful. So there are so many ways of working with this. And um, 
how we're really going to look at death in this episode is as an ally for us in times when we are being invited to go on a kind of an inner journey of not just reclamation, but of release. Um, right now, we are all on that journey, all of us, in one way or another. There are things coming up literally from the depths in front of us. And for many of us, they are extremely uncomfortable. And yet, there is nothing wrong with them. There's nothing actually wrong with anything that's coming up for any of us now, no matter how um, uncomfortable, painful, and it's a big statement, but it's true because it, it's really all part of, it's, it's all life. It's all bringing some kind of invitation in some way. This doesn't mean we have to like it, but there is a there is some part of us that can be available, that can call upon our inner resources in moments like this, um, because some part of us knows that when moments like this come up, because, you know, we are, the sun is in Libra, but we're moving into a very scorpionic time, you know, Mercury and Venus will be in Libra by, you know, the time you listen to this, that will be, you know, Pluto has gone direct and um, we are certainly feeling much of that. And I definitely felt, um, the pressure of Pluto on my son. Um, that's something that's moving through my natal chart right now. Um, so there's a lot of spiral energy happening right now. And also a lot of influence in Libra with the idea of aligned equilibrium, wild alignment, not so much this concept of, you know, perfect linear balance, but of being able to find our balance and no matter what arises, you know, in any circumstance. So death is both the reclamation and the release. Death is both, the death card is the birth and the death. It is the death of all that did not serve, all that doesn't fit, all that we've been attached to that has been in one way or another not quite the right um, marriage for us. And it is the reclamation. It is the reclaiming of the life that somewhere along the um, somewhere along the way, we either didn't realize was an option for us or actively refused in some way or another. If we experience the death card in its most, you know, um, thought of feared sense, which is that somebody will pass, someone will die, there is always a release and reclamation. There's always a, a, an enormous release, the release of tears, the release of sorrow, of um, the release of, uh, you know, there are very few times in life where our priorities, our friendships, our relationships are as exquisitely clear to us um, as they are when someone that we love or something that we love, an animal or, you know, has passed away. So there's absolutely 
release across the board. We're releasing our connection with this being that we've shared in one way, shape, or form in this life, you know, really honoring our grief as best as we can around that. And there is a reclaiming. There is a claiming. There is a reclaiming of the parts of ourselves that we're not always able to touch in and access because we're not comfortable making space for our grief much of the time. There is a reclamation of our heart space, the squeezing, the cracking, the, you know, breaking open of the heart is all a gift. I'm not in any way romanticizing deep loss, but there is a tremendous power, a tremendous um, gift in being able to sit at our own bedside, essentially, to sit with ourselves in those moments and say, I'm with you. Where are the treasures here? And again, we're not bypassing anything. They both exist at the same time. There's no death without a birth. There's no experience, none, where we move from one experience of loss without an understanding of deep reclamation and rebirth. There just isn't. It's always very, very deeply intertwined, very, very deeply braided, um, very powerfully moved and woven together. There's never a time when they aren't coming in as one. That doesn't mean that the losses are not enormous. And we may not, we may feel like we can't even breathe with our grief. And so many different things are coming up with our grief. And yet there is still a sense of rebirth. Even with the worst possible outcome that people always believe the death card to be, the essence, the absolute inner core of the death card. And if you've worked with me, you know, my teaching on this is that we are, um, touching into the idea of sacred compost, that we're touching into the idea of sacred fertilizer, that some part of us in death is ready to be released. And that part of us deserves a grieving. That part of us deserves attention. It deserves an honoring of the threshold that it once represented for us. And there is a kind of a composting that happens. We often think, you know, in our linear minds that death is just a space where things that were here are gone. And I, as someone who's lost people, I absolutely feel and understand that. Um, and in a in a just as um, worthy sense, when we um, move through experiences in life, like the end of a relationship, a friendship, or, you know, um, a partner, divorce, when we get news that feels particularly triggering or painful, when we, um, you know, when there's a change and a transition, and it is very tied to the ego, tied to our identity, tied to something that was a covering for something else. And this isn't bad. We all do this. But if 
if there's anything that is present in our lives that doesn't quite match, that we can release in order to step forward, not necessarily step higher, but step forward with the wisdom and the knowledge and the clarity that this grieving process can provide us, um, it opens us up to a whole new life. And again, that is definitely not to say because the death card um, really is not about physical death. It is really, truly, it, it, it is, and it so isn't. It is um, the medicine and the mystery and all that happens beyond the limited understanding of the physical death. It holds within it all that's possible for us on the other side of the physical death. Um, because it's very, very easy. Um, there's no wrong way to grieve, but moving away from the idea of loss of, you know, someone that we love, but if we're releasing um, a job or a relationship, um, it is very easy because of the brain and the programming that we have to only be either with, um, give me the fuck out of this, <laughs> which, you know, is worthy, you know, the joy is a part of death, or to move into a space where we say, I've lost it all. I've lost everything. The end, this is the end. You know, this proves everything I ever thought about myself. It proves that I'm unworthy. It proves that I'm unlovable. It proves that I can't stay in a relationship. It proves that like, that my, my brain was right, that this job was too good to be true. And, you know, now it's just gone. Um, there's often for many of us, even when the change or the release might be really welcome with, with death energy, that is a part of it too, that we blame, that we move into a space where it becomes very narrowed, very contracted, and it's only really about what we believe we've lost, not at all about what is to come, not at all about all of the beauty that this thing brought to us. You know, people often ask me, what is the difference between death and the tower? And there are many, they're subtle, many are experiential, but here is one. With the tower, and one that I think is very distinct, with the tower, um, we are often gripping onto an identity or a way of um, relating to ourselves and the foundation is not quite completely sound. It's on foundation that's a little bit rocky. And in order for us to fix the foundation, heal, mend, rebuild, refoster, restructure the foundation, we have to tear down the tower. And that's the gift of that card is that life comes in and assists us in clearing that tower down, clearing that space down for us so that we can get to um, the, the truth inside, heal that, and then rebuild in a way 
where we don't ever have to do that again in that, in that way. Um, it's a huge energy. Um, but the tower is quite contingent upon us somewhere in there being identified with something that's not quite true. Death is not like that. So while death might feel similar that, you know, they both have kind of really strong, you know, energies of something being cleared out so that we can rebirth, it's it's quite different because the tower's function is to clear something away so that we can get down to the foundation. The death card's function is to baptize us into the realm of the spiralic, to teach us that nothing is ever lost, that we there was no problem, we didn't do anything wrong. If we pull the death card around a relationship that is ending for us, that doesn't mean that we were in the wrong relationship and that we shouldn't have done it and that we were, you know, da-da-da-da-da. It simply means that Everything that that relationship could do, could offer to us, could invite us into, it has done all that it came to do. There's no more debt. There's no more exchange to be made. We are complete. And when we are complete with things, in one way or another, life will assist us in pulling up those weeds or having them really organically move to seed so that we can pull them up out of the garden and compost them. They're being composted for us. They're not getting thrown away so that the compost can in turn fertilize and nurture a whole other set of things that we may grow in our garden. So if, again, you know, I'm using the example of you know, romantic relationships. But if, again, you are releasing a romantic relationship or any relationship that meant a lot to you, it's not always about romance, but if we're saying goodbye to a relationship and there's death card energy around that, because there isn't always. Sometimes we release a relationship and it's like, get the fuck out of here. But if there was something really important, really special, and death comes up around that, what we're being told is that there we didn't nothing was wrong with this it was that we got learned gained experienced all that we were meant to and now it's time for that particular relationship all of the lessons all of the medicine all of the tough times and the good times all of them get to be composted so that the, all of those lessons all that we learned all that we experienced doesn't go to waste it gets to come with us because it's the food that nourishes the next relationship and the next and the next. If we pull death around loss of job or, you know, whatever it might be, it's letting us know that that particular job, that position, how we were treated, if death card comes up around an internal process, which it is seen most commonly around, it's not letting you know that you're about to die or that anything that you love is going to be taken from you. It's about recognizing that whatever pattern, habit is present for you, it has served its time. It has served its time in the way that it has. And it's time for that thing, that habit, process, behavior, thought pattern, to become food so that you can maybe hold space for other people who are going through it. 
Maybe there's someone else in your life who will go through something right after you do and you can be there for them. Maybe um, it totally changes the way you parent. Maybe it completely changes the way you say yes to joy. Maybe it confronts you from the wildest depths of your soul to all you ever believed about deservability and about there being expansion after contraction. Death is an inevitable part of life. It is not a failure to have achieved something. It's not a problem. If you look really deeply into your heart, for many of us, many of us, there is a story that death is a problem, but the process of the death part of birth and rebirth, <laughs> of life and rebirth, is somehow a problem. It shouldn't be there. We've done something wrong. We've gone the wrong way. It's absolutely not true. Without it, we can't have birth. We really, birth and death happen in the same breath. Life and death happen in the same breath. We're constantly dying, constantly birthing. Um, death card, ruled by Scorpio. Scorpio is um, the scorpion, the phoenix, the serpent, the wise one, the ruler of the realms of death, of mystery. Scorpio has the ability to go very, very deeply, very intensely into a situation. Scorpio's ruling planet is Pluto. Pluto is the planet of the underworld, planet of uncovering things that are hidden. It's very, very powerful, very, very fixed, very focused. Um, there's a lot of powerful energy in death, in the death card. And much of it um, relating to this idea of the intense, um, fixed, powerful nature of Scorpio and the sirens agree <laughs> is that um, the death card brings us into very potent attention. It calls us into presence very, very strongly, very strongly. That's a very big difference between that and tower. Um, it's just behavior is different the feeling and the experience is different. Um, but when we have those energies coming into our field with, with death and the energy of Scorpio, we're bringing a kind of a potency, a depth to our feeling around something and being encouraged to feel it freely. You know, Scorpios feel so intensely and uh, have developed lots of ways not to show it have developed lots of ways to keep it private, have um, pulled together many coping mechanisms so that they don't overwhelm. Because very often when a Scorpio is denied or um, rejected, or if there's an experience where they don't quite, um, they're not seen in the depth of their intensity, they can, you know, withdraw they can go inside. So we're being asked when death card comes up to bring all of that out, 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 out. Let's break down all that we see in the death card from the perspective of the Smith writer. Wait, because obviously so many people listening to this podcast are like rolling in their own <laughs> decks and maybe don't even touch Smith writer. Wait, but, um, in honor of Pamela Coleman Smith and her incredible artistry, um, I think it's important to touch upon it. So we see in the death card um, a lot happening, right? A lot of the time in the Smith Rider Wait, the images are very, very 
singular. There's one angel holding cups. You know, there's um, two people and an angel above them. There's one emperor. Um, there's a lot happening. There's lots of people in the death card. There's lots of uh, things going on. Um, but here are some of the things that we can see that can help us tap in a bit. One of the things is that um, the death card uh, comes with, on the Smith Rider weight, um, the angel of death in the form of a skeleton riding a horse. Um, and one of the most, I think, tremendously potent, powerful, beautiful things um, that I completely attribute, uh, this is my friend Jeff Henshaw's observation, his teaching of Brooklyn Fools and of Cosmic Cousins, uh, is that death is a night. That's not just so wonderful to think about. Death is a night. Death is connected to the nights. Nights are movers. Nights describe the quality of movement through the world. Death is not a stationary experience. It's not an experience of gripped in solitude. It's not all about all that we feel on the inside. And it's an experience of great movement and of the quality of movement taking us from one place to another. Death is a night. Death comes bearing a flag with a white rose on it. Absolutely the symbol of life, death, and rebirth. The moment a flower is picked is the moment it starts to die. And we could say, you know, purity, all that shit <laughs> with the color white. I'm not into it. But um, I definitely think the power of um, bearing this flower, bearing this rose, there's some historical significance to that flag as well that you can check out in um, Rachel Pollock's work and, you know, in places where um, the passion is more devoted to discussing those aspects of the cards. Um, but you can sense the idea that uh, death looks very formidable. He's wearing a full suit of armor. Why? Because inside there's a, there's a delicacy. There's bones. There's a tenderness. So death has to wear armor. And that's very much Scorpio. Scorpio takes it all the way down to the bone and often shows up with a kind of um, a suit on. Think about the uh, scorpion. Totally tender, you know, juicy <laughs> um, underneath that shell, underneath that stinger, right? Um, so we know right away that even in the oldest of decks, we have a sense of death being a living breathing movement. The way I teach, nights are ruled by air. So this means that death has a quality of both water and air to it. That means that we're calling upon something like a knight of cups with it. There's a balance happening. Water and air, it's like the horizon line of the ocean. There's a perfect balance happening, even though the waves are moving. And even though the horizon is absolutely um, not necessarily totally balanced, it seems that way, right? And that's the essence of death as well. Death also totally asks us, what are the coverings that you wear over the most tender parts of you? Um, you know, very, very powerful inquiry. And the idea of coming in on a horse, that there's this sense of connection to an animal. There's a partnership 
and a symbiosis happening, also very powerful. We also see something really interesting in the background of the death card in the Smith Rider Wait. We see the river Styx, the river that led to the underworld, Hades, um, obviously a river of great mythos. And we also see the two towers um, that we will later revisit in the moon card in the Smith Rider Wait. So it's very interesting that we're almost seeing a sense of looking into the next few cards, into the next line of the of the major arcana, just by being in death. There's a description that we're passing through a gate of some kind that is to come, that this is the first gate that we've arrived at. Um, there's also some symbolism in the folks in the death card. So we see um, the death of a king. The crown has fallen off the head of this king. We see keening people. We see a religious figure. We see a child, um, all sort of, um, you know, it's it's a scene that is happening in the midst. Um, we're not coming upon it in the moment of death. We're not coming upon it. Um, it's, it's a little snapshot of a lot of things happening at one time. So this is also something to know about the death card is that it, if you pull it, it's already happening. It's not anything you have to be afraid of. It's already occurring. The composting has already begun. What um, the full cycle of the death card is, is the compost, the fertilization, and then the new growth. So there's actually a life-death life cycle within the realm of death, which is pretty interesting. Um, crowns falling off the heads of royals is the symbol in the Smith Rider Wake for a human being losing their connection to anything that is not an essential part of their nature. In the death card, we experience this as the last, um, the last release of any egoically controlled areas. So, um, you know, again, ego is not bad, but when it's running the show from a place of old patterning or wounding, etc., um, we want to bring a more mindful energy to it. And very often those cracks in the foundation that hold up our towers in the tower card are cracked because we're believing something that's not true. So in order to get down to it, we have to clear out the delusions and illusions that are present in our towers, even if it's very, very subtle. Um, with death, there's no illusion other than the story that the ego plays out for us that we won't be okay, that, you know, we're immortal, <laughs> that we should try somehow to cheat or avoid death, you know. Um, losing the crown is really scary, but it's one of the best things that can ever happen to us. Every person listening to this episode has had an experience where they've lost their crown, where they've thought, and not in a, a dejected way, but in a way that we're, you know, We've identified the crown as being an essential part of who we are, that we don't exude a crown when the crown is off our heads, that we need to um, gain something, experience something, have some kind of mile marker in our lives to prove to ourselves that we're acceptable, lovable, worthy, okay. Um, very often we learn that um, the crown has served us well, but that it's time to leave it behind. It's time to leave behind any last vestiges of an old identity that was not serving us. We are going through this now as a collective. 
this is what we are in at this time. We are moving out of a time where we were identified with all of this identity-driven bullshit. We're moving out of that time. You know, who are you really? This is the time of the year where we really ask those questions, especially for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere when things start to get darker and cooler and the nights start to get a little longer. Um, you know, we start turning toward um, the night rather than the daylight. And, um, you know, everything in our physical being recognizes these changes. And because we live so linearly in life, we don't often hold the space for the spiral. We don't often hold that. Um, we are all going through a great collective death of all that does not serve everything. And especially those of us who are really finding ourselves kind of inundated by old patterning, traumas, habits, just wondering like, what the fuck are these doing here as strongly as they are? What am I missing? You're not missing anything. This, you know, everything in the energy and the astrology right now, it, it, it's, and everything about this being a hangman year, the devotion, the promise, the oddly gift, <laughs> it doesn't feel that way, of this time is to ensure us that we don't ever have to go back to these patterns again. That in some way, even if we quit smoking and in two years we pick up a cigarette, it's going to be different than if we, um, than the patterns we might go through where we quit and then we pick it back up in a moment of stress and then we quit and then, you know, and then we beat ourselves up for it. Like that's, it's getting cleared. And probably for you, if you're quitting smoking right now, but you know, that's an example for you. Um, because I'm not here to judge anybody's choices and, you know, smoke if you want. And if that's in alignment for you, and I don't want to hear anything from anybody saying, how could you say it's in alignment to smoke? We're all people get over it <laughs> with love. Um, open your minds, I would say. Um, I'm just not in a position to judge or tell anyone what's in alignment or not. So I'm never going to do that. But um, if you are in that position, and if that is something that you're going through or something like that, it's not about the mind might tell you, well, this is about me getting it right. So I never smoke again. That's not what it's about. If you're moving through that kind of a cycle right now, essentially what you are being gifted the opportunity to understand is exactly why, when, and where the impulse comes up in you to pick up your pack. Why? What are you avoiding? What do you, you know, if that's the case for you, um, how does it help right now? You know, we, we engage with these things because they are coping mechanisms that help. We outgrow them as we grow. Some of them we leave, some of them we don't. So it's an experience where we get to learn and go way down to the like deepest part of the cave to understand what is the root system of this? How can I, you know, sometimes I'm dealing with something right now and it, it's not really a problem and I'm okay, but it's intense. I'm working through something right now where the root system of it is so deep. It is generations deep, lifetimes deep, like 
so many ancestral patterns that go back and back and back and back. And for me personally, something that I remember being infused into me pre-verbally, things that I remember, um, specific impact points in my life, driving these roots in deeper, wider, and it is no longer in alignment for this root to have any place in my garden. And wow, it's, 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 um, there's a lot of digging. There's a lot of real gentleness that, you know, I have a lot of people in my garden helping me with this plant, with this root, because uh, it's, it's really strong. Um, and, um, it was such an important form of coping for me and now is just no longer appropriate. So we don't, we don't judge it. Judgment is not about like, well, I did something wrong and now it's, you know, I got to let go of it. It's just simply that we learned everything we were supposed to learn and now we're moving in another direction and that's it. So I encourage you to think about for yourself what the death card means to you, especially in this season, especially as we sort of travel through the line to realm of the tarot, right? That we move through this experience of um, great undoing of enormous release and of rebirth of reclamation. There was a time where there was an essential part of me that didn't have that root in my garden. It got planted in there maybe even before I was born, but it's still my garden. And if I didn't plant it, it's not mine. So being respectful of that um, that's really what we get to do in this time of year. And it's not particularly pleasant, <laughs> um, but it is, uh, absolutely. So we can be free so that we, um, get to not only allow there to be a kind of a spiritual or ceremonial or energetic clearing of what we're just no longer meant to have in the gardens of our lives for one reason or another, but also to cultivate a deeper sense of support so that when these things, little layers of shrapnel or little splinters come up and out from the garden, you know, maybe long after that issue is composted, but then these little pieces come up. Anytime that happens, we can greet it not from a place of terror or like, oh no, but from a place of, you know, wow, like old friend, like, you know, there's still a little bit more to you. Let me bow. Like, let's, you know, let's sit together. Let's, let me hear you and maybe call in some people to help me hear you. And, you know, um, death is never the end of anything. It's only the transition point from what is to what will be. And, um, it's such an intense, you know, again, I've said that many times, such an intense time right now, everywhere in every direction. It's very hard not to feel the intensity right now. So this isn't about making it better. This is about calling upon an ally in the tarot that is really available to us for this work. And we can, um, embrace it sink our teeth into it in a way that can be very, very helpful for us. Um, and two cards that I also have been pulling a lot that might be of use, um, for like 
because the the death energy is definitely around us. <laughs> uh, that's to be sure. Um, but two cards that can be helpful to us in these experiences and in these seasons of life are um, four of wands and nine of pentacles. So four of wands is um, about play. It's about celebration. It's about leaving time for things that light you up. Whether or not they meet, you know, they don't have to be what another person might do. They don't have to be a spiritually, like it's, I mean, everybody who's listening to this podcast knows my feelings on that. Everything offers some kind of medicine. We are where we are in the moment that we are. On some nights, pizza is that medicine. On other nights, TV is that medicine. And for some people, it's yoga. And sometimes it's all three. Like, let's not exclude any kind of medicine that we might need in the moment that we might need it as long as it doesn't harm you and as long as it doesn't harm anyone else. Um, and only you can really know if a pizza harms you. <laughs> so, you know, your pizza might be different. You just have to roll with what you need. Um, but giving yourselves that autonomous access to play is what four of wands is all about. And nine of pentacles is really like, you know, if you've ever really let yourself be on a vacation and just be in the pleasure of wherever you happen to be, um, I've only had a few of those experiences, but, um, and the brain has, you know, screamed the whole way. So trust and believe that. Um, but that experience of being able to sink in and feel into that lovely sense of like, there is nothing to do for me, but celebrate how far I've come here. We absolutely owe that to ourselves in death card energy because we're working our fucking asses off when we're in this card, period. When we're in this time of year, like we are working. So it's important to leave a little bit of space and time for that kind of celebration and that kind of intention. Remember, no tarot card ever can define the way you feel. No card can ever come up and predict that you will feel joyful. No card can come up that can predict that you will feel sad. Your feelings are completely your own. And when we take away that feeling expectation on a card, it can really open up the whole world of that card to us. So I think it's important to take that away. You might not necessarily enjoy yourself in the next week or so with all of the energies or even in the in the month, but we can lean on the intention to be more fully connected to, uh, you know, energies like four of wands to energies like nine of pentacles that can really help um, provide a little bit of distance and context to all the work we're doing right now um, that is so deeply rooted with death card. So I hope this served you, helped you in some way. If it did, um, sending all my love just wishing to all of you that you take good care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com.
To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.